It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Beat it up and I've seen got no sheets. The land of fucking with the fear fight down. I fire in a fire, Mr. Sixth Southern Gang, and the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, you could do it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the Hour of Doom. And Bloom. Hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a scintilla of serenity in a sacrilegious world. I'm Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over a thousand posts, videos, and podcasts, and all sorts of other great stuff on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Nurse Amy. My real name is Amy Alton. I am an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. Aha, uh-huh. and the hostess with the mostest you didn't mention. I would never say that about myself. That you're the hostess with the mostest? No, 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 no. Oh, come on. Blow your own <laughs> horn once in a while. Nope, not going to happen. Well, together we I'm are. A humble soul, you are. Baby. You are the, a humble soul. You really are. We are the gang of two, the prodigious pair, the geezer and the goddess. And we're here to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Friends and neighbors, <laughs> have you been injured in an accident with a malicious muskrat? Well, our attorney says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it might be. That is good advice, you know, because when the super flu is making you blue, when the Mongol horde is breaking down the gates, will you know what to do if somebody gets sick or injured? Well, put a little time and effort into it and maybe a little attention to this podcast. Yeah. Aha, I'm blowing our own horn here. Yeah, Uh, but it's for education. That's right. And what you'll do is you'll prove to the world you've got more sense than God gave a box of frogs. And by learning what to do for injuries and illnesses, 
when a disaster hits. And while you're at it, doesn't it just make common sense, plain old common sense, folks, to get some supplies, maybe a quality medical kit to go along with all that knowledge? Well, I sure think so. And what better place to get it than the lovely Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated but never equaled medical <laughs> kits at store.doomandbloom.net. They'll help you handle medical issues you'll face in any disaster, and they're designed by yours truly, an honest-to-gosh medical doctor, hers truly, an advanced registered nurse practitioner. I just want to add something yes. about the store. Um, We're not going to live forever. We're not. So We're going to die. I, so what I would like to say is these medical kits are offered on a limited-time basis only. Only for our lifetime. <laughs> only for the one of our, of our lifetimes. Because I'm old. One of our lifetimes. And I, I'm so old. I don't old. think the other one will carry on with the store. Oh, I'll carry on. You will? I'll miss you. You but can't do it without I'll me. I'll miss you, you but. Can't, you can't do it without me. It's not possible. It probably is, honestly, <laughs> honestly speaking. And I own it anyway, so I'm taking it to the grave. <laughs> well, we'll hand it down to our descendants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> one, right. one in New York City and one in Chicago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, guys, compare our kits for contents and quality and cost, whatever, with anybody else's stuff, or just ask anyone who's ever bought one, and you'll agree our kits are the ones you should have in your medical storage. You know, we learn as much from you as you do from us. I think that's become obvious. So get moving, <laughs> Ruben, and get those nuggets of knowledge out of your noggin and out to old Dr. Bones and the lovely Nurse Amy. It's easy, and here's Nurse Amy to tell you how. Oh, well, I just thought of something. It was really funny. I'm <laughs> Wait a minute. You're right. supposed to tell. No, I will in a moment, but you're going to have to listen to me because I'm old now. <laughs> so, as you get older, you get wiser, and you have to share stories. No, this yeah. is very funny. I was talking to... Um, a guy who had called a nuclear physicist, and he had a couple questions about kits. So I was talking to him. Did but you he, have a couple of questions about the universe for him? He was very funny. Oh, was he? He was very funny. He uh -oh. had he had a great sense of humor. Any competition to me? No. You sure? <laughs> There's no competition to you. Oh. You're unique <laughs> in your own cranky, codgery, geezer way. <laughs> Wait, these are, those are the words you use to describe yourself. So far in the show, I believe. I, yeah, I think I've used all of them. <laughs> anyway, he was funny. He was talking about uh, being a prepper and how he's got neighbors. And he says, you know, sometimes folks, they just use that thing on top of their shoulders as a hat rack. <laughs> it was so funny. So true. <laughs> it was hilarious. Anyway, to contact us and to possibly chat with Nurse Amy, you can email us at drbonespodcast, drbones, plural, podcast at AOL.com. Find us on Facebook at our group Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy. And we also have a Facebook page with kind of a central location where you can get all the information about where we're going and classes and articles that you write and videos we put up and, of course, this podcast um, that is called Doom and Bloom. Surprise! Ah. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel at Dr. Bones Nurse Amy. You know, those names just kind of show our progress through this universe of social medicine. The first thing we ever got was a Twitter account. Right. And since we were just doing a show, we called it Prepper, Prepper show. show. Right. It wasn't even necessarily about all medicine or yeah. anything like that. We didn't have a store. We didn't, I don't think right. we had Facebook. We did definitely did not have a YouTube channel. So 
It, that's very funny how that kind of shows. Uh, how we at have, what point did we add how we and have, start doing that? How we have evolved or devolved? No, perhaps. hopefully evolve. I mean, they say <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. You know, to tell adapt them. and. And vanquish. Learn all of this technology. It's overwhelming sometimes. It really is. Oh my goodness. Anyway, well, we, we s- do our very best, folks. I want to say thanks to the great, good folks at KYH Utah for picking up the Survival Medicine Hour. Also to our friends at Prepper Broadcasting, <clears throat> USA Emergency Broadcasting Network, Survival Central, and all the other great networks that carry our program. Don't forget our other podcasts, American Survival Radio, Current Events. With a practical perspective, you won't see hear much medicine there, but you'll hear our opinions, and they are a little salty sometimes. You'll see us <laughs> at um, Genesis Communications Network, GCNlive.com, and at a, a half a dozen land-based radio stations throughout the U.S. of A. Well, I think we're going to start with an announcement that came out recently Public regarding regar- regarding consumer products. And the question is that I have for everybody is, have you bought a fire extinguisher since 1973? Matter of <laughs> fact, question is, did you even exist in 1973? I did. You did? <laughs> Uh-oh. Well. But I wasn't buying fire extinguishers <laughs> back then. And, you know, you're supposed to replace them every once in a while. I'm not sure if it's yearly or every couple of years. I had just gotten my first Social Security check in 1973. I don't think so. That's why I remember it. (laughs) You wouldn't be around anymore, probably, if that had happened, my love. Well, thanks a lot. Might be. You never know. I mean, Billy Graham lived to 99. You know, this year was going to be his 100th birthday. Wow. I know. That is so awesome. He's so lucky to have spent so many years. On this beautiful planet. On this beautiful planet, being able to follow his dreams and help people, you know. And that's good for him. Yep, absolutely. So what's this about fire extinguishers? So um, there was actually a recall a few years ago, but only for a couple of models. This is These fire extinguishers are made by a company called Kitty. Uh, they actually bought... Kitty? Like yeah, Hello Kitty? K-I-D-D-I-E. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, I'm not kidding. Yeah, and their website's kitty.com. Uh, but what happened was they found out, the company found out, and there's been a forced recall. Well, I shouldn't say that. They might have voluntarily recalled it. But anyway, there was an incident in 2014 where EMT and paramedics and uh-huh. fire rescue responded to an accident and they were not able to use any of their fire extinguishers. Oh my gosh. They didn't put out the fire and of course you can imagine what that did to our poor victim. Yeah, well I guess the fire rescue didn't get there because they probably could have used water. But anyway, the fire extinguishers that they tried to use didn't function and someone died. So there was a, a fatality. So because of that one fatality, instead of just being a recall, recall for you know, a couple of models, they are now recalling just about everything that has been produced between 1973 and 2017. And the reason I say that is because there are 134 models. Oh, my gosh. 134 models. Unbelievable. Most of them are the plastic handle. So if you have a metal handle, you're probably okay 
but you still need to go on Consumer Safety Commission, Pro Consumer Product Safety Commission. Um, it's a U.S. website, and they have the list of all the model numbers, and it's called Kitty Recalls Fire Extinguishers with Plastic Handles Due to Failure to Discharge and Nozzle Detachment, One Death Reported. So again, United States Consumer Product Safety Commission, get on that website, go to that section, and every single model and the years that they were made is listed. If you are unsure, now mind you, these were sold everywhere. Home Depots, Walmart, Sears, a store called Montgomery Ward. Which oh, I, I remember that. Don't believe exists. The 5 and 10. I remember that. Yeah, um, 5 and a 10. A store called Minyards, online at Amazon.com, ShopKitty.com. Just lots and lots and lots of places, okay? So you just don't know. If you are unsure, you can contact Kitty.com. K-I-D-D-E. Dot com. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not with the I there. <laughs> it's with the E. And their phone number is 855-271-0773, Monday through Friday. Apparently, I read a story that actually it was one of our Facebook people on our group, Survival Medicine. She said that she called them, and they're sending her replacements, no problem, and a return label wow. for the ones she has. Well, that must be millions. They're not in returning total. money. I just want to be clear. It's not a money thing. They're giving you a replacement. All right. So that nobody else hopefully gets hurt or injured. Now I wonder how can you actually put together? How can one company put together 134 different variations of a fire extinguisher? I. It's just incredible. Well, over time, I guess they've evolved. I mean, they had plastic handled. Uh, now they have something, and these are also recalled. Push button. Pindicator models. No, and the, I don't. We don't have that. Huh? No, we don't. Those were manufactured a little more recently. That was from 1995 to 2017. But I did check. We do have a plastic handle. I just haven't looked at the model number, and I know we probably have four or five of them all over the house. <laughs> oh yeah, we have a bunch of them. I know that. Plus, we have them at the warehouse. We have them in our house in Gatlinburg. So Great. We, got, we got a lot of uh, fire extinguishers to oh. go through, my love. <laughs> wow. Yes. All right. Well, guys, that's the deal. Take a look at your fire extinguishers. You certainly want fire extinguishers at work. And if they're going to replace them, well, I think that that's, at home. that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I want to talk about something that we, we haven't talked about for a while, and that's the human body. And the human body, of course, is a marvel of engineering, dexterity, strength, stamina, all this stuff stuff that we can do. I mean, all sorts of amazing acts of um, athleticism. Mm -hmm. if we just saw the uh, Winter Olympics just in the last uh, couple of weeks. And yes, survival in the worst adversity. But you know what? Wear and tear takes its toll over time on just about everything that has moving parts, even you. Now, the resulting loss of work efficiency, mobility, all bad enough in normal times, and boy, can it decrease your chances to succeed after a major disaster. You get knocked off the grid, and you are not able to use that knee like a normal person can, then your chances to survive certainly go down significant, significantly. Now, the moving parts in our skeletal frame are known as joints, right? Everyone has, every one of these joints has varying amounts of range, motion, uh, strength, and they are incredibly durable in most cases, but they do break down over time. 
And the longer lives of modern humans, we're, I think, imperfectly engineered to last as long as we do. I mean, I we're supposed to last, I think, into our 30s if, you know, when we lived in caves, uh, if we were, if you were lucky, that is. Right. Saber-toothed tiger didn't grab you <laughs> exactly uh, or you starved to death so you see a, just a, a lot of people that have joint disease also known as arthritis it's thought that 54 million americans today suffer from some form of arthritis and that the number is going to rise to 78 million by the year 2040 i guess as we age a little bit and uh, i guess less births so people are just going to get older population older absolutely population. Although you might consider arthritis a disease of the elderly, though, two-thirds of the cases, you may be surprised to know, occur in pre-retirement age individuals. Now, some cases of arthritis uh, get their start with an injury. That's one of the risk factors. If you have gotten an injury, let's say an athletic injury, let's say even when you were 18, you wound up getting injured on, on the football team or uh, in college. Well, you know what? Increased strain from joints that have been injured, well, you wind up seeing scarring and you wind up seeing all sorts of stuff. It doesn't have to be athletic, athletics. It could be manual labor, an accident. It could be after surgery. If you have if you had surgery, certainly that in, incredibly does increase your chances to get arthritis. Of course, age we, is a big thing. Many types of arthritis are more common as people get older. Uh, Sex, women are more likely to get certain types like rheumatoid arthritis. We'll talk about that. While men are more prone to getting a form of arthritis known as gout. We'll talk about that as well. Family history, some types of arthritis seem to run in families. Uh, and obesity, just like being very active, can increase your chances to get arthritis later on. Obesity, those people lead very sedentary lifestyles. Uh, and are obese, they suffer long-standing strain on joints in places that have to carry weight, like the hips, the knees, the back, and that leads to arthritis as well. The symptoms of arthritis are quite a few of them, uh, but most of them, most of the different types of arthritis cause uh, things like swelling, it causes um, pain, joint stiffness, decreased range of motion, uh, a reluctance because of discomfort to use the affected joint. And uh, I've experienced that with a shoulder uh, injury that I've had. Uh, of course, you can, can see accumulation, swelling I mentioned, it could be due to accumulation of fluid or other material like uric acid crystals in the case of gout in the area of the joint, uh, muscle weakness with chronic arthritis, Fever, if it's caused by an infection, there is indeed bacterial or, or septic arthritis. So we'll talk about that. And that is, those are just some of the symptoms. And there are different symptoms that might clue you in on what type of arthritis you're dealing with. Let's talk about the types of arthritis. There's osteoarthritis, and that's the most common one probably. Um, osteoarthritis is seen especially that is a tongue twister. I don't blame you. <laughs> Osteoarthritis is uh, seen uh, mostly in older individuals. It can affect the just about any joint in the body, the hands, the feet, the back, the hips, the knees, most commonly affected, but I can tell you I have osteoarthritis even in my fingers that I'm noticing that a couple of the joints are becoming a little thickened and starting to look actually is it sort affecting of your movement? It is not at present. Let me see. Bend the see? tip. 
See, I yeah, can that still, one's not bad. I can okay. still use it, and that's right. the one that looks is the most. Is it painful? Because um, you never complain. No. So, folks, I have to ask him because he never complains about pain. It's rare. I, I, I'll tell you that for a while I had some, but I guess that nerve's dead now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I, I Well, don't maybe know. it feels better. It, maybe if it, maybe I'm get, I doubt I'm getting better. Doesn't look doesn't like look it's worse. Growing though, that's the thing. It showed up, but I mean, you would think by now with the growth pattern that it would be you know pretty giant. So yeah, it's, it's just it's, lumpy. It's the last knuckle on the on the middle finger, and if you look at the fingers next to it, that they don't have it. No, they but don't. But this one is is obviously more you more enlarged. It looks like you smashed your finger in a door, and it well, just sort of. I, swelled I, up. I'm glad you mentioned that because indeed, <clears throat> when I uh, was playing, I think basketball, uh-huh. and and this was not not on a team or anything, just intramural basketball uh-huh. uh, in college, I jammed my finger pretty darn bad, and I did think it was the middle finger, uh, and well, so that I could be sense. one of those That's guys, the tallest one, right? Which the highest right one. for me it is, yeah, and, and indeed. That could be the reason. Remember I mentioned that injuries can cause arthritis? Yep. Well, indeed, that may be the Maybe case. Maybe it started a little something, and it just has grown yep. so slowly, mm-hmm. it became noticeable many right. years later. Right. Now, I had a chest x-ray recently, and they noted that I have some osteoarthritis in some of my vertebra, in some in part of my spinal column. That's normal, it though. Does, it, well, I mean, at this age, you know, I'm surprised I have a oh, spinal column so at all. You're so old. I'm, you're not old. I'm lucky to have a spine at all <laughs> at this point. So, so, so if you didn't, then I would tell you you're spineless. spineless. <laughs> <laughs> well, osteoarthritis. Like a jellyfish. <laughs> so anyhow, daily wear and tear on the joints can be uh, can be pretty bad and. What we want to do for arthritis, they like you to use warm compresses because it increases some blood flow to the area. It's useful to treat discomfort and stiffness, Mm -hmm. which is what people have who have uh, osteoarthritis. And, uh, of course, then there are ibuprofen, aspirin, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and things like capsaicin cream or ointment. Well, I know you're going to talk about uh, more natural Yes. Remedies at the end of it. But I want to mention one right now since you're speaking about the warmth. There's a wax unit that you can use to melt wax. It doesn't make it terribly hot, but it is kind of warm. I will say low hot. (laughs) Very warm. But anyway, it melts this wax and you can dip your hands in it. And that is supposed to actually be a treatment to help with hands that have arthritis because the warmth from the wax flows over every single little joint that you have. Right. So instead of using like a heating pad, exactly. Which warms you sort of, you know, not evenly. I had one of those. I'm not sure if we still have it. No, we tossed it. Did we? We tossed it a while ago. But anyway, um, I remember it working. It's also supposed to be a beauty treatment. Oh, is it? But... It well, is. it worked because look how beautiful you are. <laughs> wow. <my> Amazing. <laughs> anyway, warm wax hand treatments are supposed to be good for arthritis pain. Now, the worst. Arthritic yes, pain. Arthritic, exactly. Uh, the worst cases do require stronger medicine than just ibuprofen, and they have to give you things like oral steroids. Sometimes they inject the steroids directly into the joint. Sometimes, because of the fluid, you have to get fluid out of the joint. That's, and what you do is you place a needle into one of the joint spaces where you see the feel the swelling. You can <clears> feel <throat> the fluid uh, in swollen joints. Mm-hmm. And 
that procedure is called an arthrocentesis, and the arthrocentesis uh, needle procedure may decrease pain, but you have to be very careful with regards to making sure you have a clean needle and that you use clean technique. Absolutely. Uh, because it could introduce infection to the joint if oh, you don't, gosh. if you're not Compound careful. Compound it, make it worse. Now, of course, one of the most commonly known types of arthritis, one that you see articles about every day in, mm-hmm. online is rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis is the most common autoimmune disease in the world today. Autoimmune means that the body's immune system is attacking its own tissues. In this case, it's attacking the joints. It's not only directed at the joints, but the other parts of the body as well. But we're talking about joints today, so we're going to keep it to that. Now, unlike some other joint diseases, rheumatoid arthritis tends to affect, and this may be helpful to identify, uh, what you've got there mm-hmm. tends to affect the same joint on both sides of the body about the same uh, in in most cases. In some cases, it's not like that, but in most cases it is. And women seem to be more susceptible than men. Rheumatoid arthritis especially affects joints in the fingers and wrists. And you'll see people who <clears throat> have very deformed hands as a result of advanced rheumatoid arthritis. It's also common, though, in the knees and elbows. You can see that. And the deformities can be pretty significant. That rheumatoid arthritis starts off in younger populations than osteoarthritis, and you even see it in children in some cases, but it takes time usually for the the striking deformities that you see in the joints of some to occur. Now, other symptoms with rheumatoid arthritis you might not see with osteoarthritis. You, uh, people complain of dry mouth, uh, dryness, itching, or burning in the eyes. Uh, strange sensations in the hands or the feet. Some people uh, develop nodules under the skin, and uh, some people have problems breathing or have problems with uh, sleep patterns, all sorts of different things that people complain about more if they have rheumatoid arthritis than other types of arthritis. At present, there's no cure for rheumatoid arthritis. Treatments concentrate on easing the symptoms, and so that includes strong anti-inflammatory medications like oral steroids, like prednisone, and these are helpful in a lot of cases. Now, another autoimmune disorder that can cause joint disease is known as systemic lupus erythematosus, otherwise known as lupus, and that is something that's usually diagnosed by blood testing. You might be able to identify it in an off-grid situation um, because the joint issues are one-sided in, in nature, more than uh, bilateral, as we say, on both sides. And you also see patients with uh, lupus have problems with hair loss, rashes on the body. They have a, a disc-like rash on their face. And this is something else. It's actually treated with long-term steroids as well. Now, even though rheumatoid arthritis can't be cured, it's thought to be possible to prevent the condition from worsening. Weight loss is one way to improve symptoms and prevent progression. That won't be a big problem if if we get knocked off after a disaster. Uh, But physical therapy to strengthen the muscles and the joints is also thought to be helpful. Now, let's go on to septic arthritis, or sometimes called bacterial arthritis, but that's sort of a misnomer because it can occur as a result of bacteria. It can occur as a result, like a a common example would be gonorrhea. Gonorrhea can cause uh, an infection in your joints, especially things like areas like the knee. And this is something that 
allows the joints, uh, the, that there's some bacteria that causes the joint space to be septic, what we call septic. In other words, have a lot of bacteria, have pus developed there. Right. And if you drain out <clears throat> the fluid from somebody with that, they might notice that it's much more cloudy than the average person with osteoarthritis, which would have generally sort of clearish yellow fluid coming when it, you do an arthrocentesis, when you do a needle um, procedure. Uh, of course, there's blood infections that can occur if you have uh, a true bacteria, a bad bacterial infection or a bad viral infection. A bone infection can occur. That's called osteomyelitis. And these things can spread to the joint space as well. So it can be a big issue. Now, streptococcus staph, these are the usual suspects. Gonorrhea, also the cause, as I mentioned. But viruses and even fungus can be involved in causing a septic arthritis. Now, typical symptoms of bacterial arthritis are the same as osteoarthritis, except the patient may have a fever and may exhibit redness or warmth over the if infected joint. And that is something that look would remind you of, let's say, somebody that has a wound infection. They have that same swollen, red, hot appearance. You have a hot joint there. In addition to treatment for pain, of course, removal of fluid as needed and and, and antibiotics, usually intravenous antibiotics in the Keflex family, these are called cephalosporins. These might be necessary if the cause is bacterial. Of course, if it's viral, there's not much you can do for it with, regard, with antibiotics because antibiotics really don't help that. Now, psoriatic arthritis is another one. Psoriasis, if you don't know, is a very common skin condition. It causes the formation of multiple reddish, pinkish, scaly pack, uh, patches on the skin all over different areas, usually in areas that are like the armpit, the elbows, the knees, things like that. My grandfather had that. Did he really? Where do you have it? On his elbows. On his elbows, right? Yes. That's very, very common. And he used to use something that smelled really bad. Tar. Yes. Yeah, they used tar. For oh that. my gosh. They the still have. Bathroom some, mm -hmm. smelled so bad because like of tar. that. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yep, that's what they used to use back back in the day. Still, they use some components. It was probably in the 70s and early 80s that, that I would, remember smelling this. Yep, that's. I'll uh, never forget it. I remember it. that. So, anyhow, this leads to itching. And most people consider it very unsightly. Obviously, your the grandfather was annoyed by it enough. I'm the, I mean, you're not going to die because of right, it. Right, right. But you, ha you get itching. It's unsightly to, for a lot of people. But 30% uh, of the sufferers also develop inflammations in the joints. And oh. We call that psoriatic arthritis. And victims of psoriatic arthritis, you can tell that from degenerative arthritis by what happens to their nails. Their nails look like they have fungal infections. They become sort of crusty and crumbly. And uh, that's something that you see in people with psoriatic arthritis. It, it looks like they have um, an athlete's our, foot, let's say. Why does our body fail so much? I mean, <laughs> most of the time, guess... no, the question is, why does our body work so often? Oh, my goodness. That's the amazing thing. The psoriatic arthritis victims could also have redness in the eyes. They have swollen fingers and toes. These are the areas most commonly affected, fingers and toes in psoriatic arthritis. Uh, they could have issues with very uh, excessive fatigue. And 
This condition is usually treated with NSAID, with NSAIDs like ibuprofen mm-hmm. for pain, steroids, but also a number of very specialized anti-psoriasis pharmaceuticals. And the thing with this is that early treatment can lead to less severe damage to the joint. So if somebody has keep psori- an eye on it. Sorry, right? if you know someone with psoriasis and they're starting to complain of joint issues, or especially fingers and toes, well, get them to start treatment as quickly as they can. Now, one thing that is common in men is something called gout. Uh, Gout is another condition that destroys joints over time, and it was more common in the old days when a lot of people ate diets consisting almost completely of just meat. Red meat uh, causes Mm, the deposition. Sounds good. (laughs) I know. It's it's good. (laughs) But it causes deposition of uric acid crystals in the joint. And some people are also, of course, there were some people that just produce too much uric acid or don't eliminate it well. And obesity is a major risk factor, as is diabetes. So in in people who in the old days who were rich, mm-hmm. oftentimes had gout. Because and they ate better, right? That makes they, sense. Because they ate worse. Well. They ate better, oh, better than the average person back then. Right. I get they it. They afforded more Red luxurious meat. foods, which were yes. red meats, not yes. necessarily on our food pyramid, the best diet. Right. But at the time, that it, age. Right. You, if you were rich, you could you eat that way. And if you, were, you weren't right. rich, you wouldn't eat that exactly. way. And if you were rich, you had a much higher prevalence of gout. And if you weren't, you didn't have so much. Uh, I think of Henry VIII. Yes. He's just getting bigger and getting bigger, bigger. Right, and right. Bigger. Some, somebody <laughs> he like was that, rich, right? Just exactly. Eight and eight and eight and eight. <laughs> uh, people who have a history of kidney stones, especially certain type of kidney stones, uh, could also have episodes of gout. And gout looks like inflammation in one or two joints. The big toe is a classic example of gout, but you can get it in the knees and the ankles, other different places. These joints also have a tendency to be warm, red, and painful, and the pain is throbbing, often very severe. And and some people uh, actually say that just putting a a sheet over it, just covering your foot with a sheet, can cause you to have significant pain. Can you imagine having that and having to go to work and wear work boots? At least a woman possibly has a chance of wearing sandals where nothing's on her foot. What is a man going to wear outside of the house to a job or to anything right. where people are looking at his feet that isn't going to cover his foot with a sock, maybe, and right. definitely a closed-toed shoe? I mean, that's pain. Yes, The absolutely. whole time. And these that's are awful. These are um, attacks. These are actually episodic in nature. So you, it'll... You'll have a bad attack, it'll get better over time, and then later on, it's going to happen again. Because whatever the condition is, you're either your diet or your natural tendency to, mm-hmm. to accumulate too much uric acid in your system is... Happens again. You're right, exactly. Uh, lifestyle and dietary changes could be helpful for these folks. Avoiding alcohol may help. Uh, reducing uric acid... Uh, Elevating foods that you eat. This would include liver, Got red no meat. Got no problem avoiding liver. Right, red meat. No problem. Uh, sardines, anchovies actually have a, a, a higher tendency to cause it. Uh, beans, peas, mushrooms, asparagus, cauliflower, interestingly enough. <laughs> those things, I'm, I don't, I'm, having, I'm having trouble 
putting cauliflower and sardines in the same group. We don't eat a lot of that group, stuff anyway. Yeah. Herring, sardines. I actually have them stored for prepping. Yes. Sardines and anchovies. Well, I've had Not anchovies herring, on... Uh, anchovies on pizza, pizza, but we're talking about little itsy bitsy pieces. Yes, not eating the <laughs> whole fish, up, right? right? So uh, also avoid fatty <clears throat> foods, um, and uh, believe it or not, eating a normal amount of carbohydrates is very important. So diet can actually affect it. Now there are a lot of natural options for arthritis. A lot of supplements, of course. The one everybody knows about is glucosamine chondroitin. Okay, yep. and uh, from an alternative standpoint, glucosamine supplements are very popular. Um, you take those? Have, yeah, uh, yeah. How they much, have, do you know how much you take? Yes, I think about fifteen hundred milligrams a say. day of the glucosamine, <clears throat> and I think it's let's see, about half something like that of. I'll the, look. Maybe I'll the eight hundred. Yeah, I, I think. of the other one. I think right. that's the combination. Right. So when you when you pair it with the chondroitin. The glucosamine is thought to possibly slow progression of some arthritic conditions. So I would take 1,500 uh, milligrams and then 800 milligrams uh, on a daily basis. Yep. You can split that in into two. I think a lot of uh, varieties of supplements uh, have you take it twice a day. Everyone's a little different. Uh, of course, you have a number of other natural, totally natural remedies. Two teaspoons of lemon juice or apple cider vinegar mixed with a teaspoon of honey twice a day. Time-honored treatment that people have you. Of course, it's time-honored treatment for a lot of things, isn't it? it you know, there are people that do this every day. That's it, right. This is what they have in the morning. I don't know if they have it at night, but I have spoken to so many people that do this. Now, there are other oral supplements, natural supplements, that, that are reported to be effective against joint pain. They include things like turmeric uh, in powder form, soybean oil, avocado oil, fish oil, but no more than three grams a day. That's very important because it can have ill effects after that. Selenium, rose hips, um, alfalfa tea, and bathua leaf. Bathua leaf juice is also thought to be uh, effective for this. Uh, for external use, of course, warm and cold compresses are useful. Oftentimes, um, we talked about warm compresses for osteoarthritis and increases blood flow to the joint, but cold can decrease inflammation and swelling. Now, don't forget the capsaicin ointment or cream. Arnica essential oil on affected areas, good for muscle aches mostly, I think but may help for amazing. joints. I think so, too. They have it in salves. We ha Actually, that's one of the things that we put into the family medical bag. That's right. Is a salve with Arnica <clears throat> for pain. And uh, we've used it. It's amazing. Now, it's important to know, though, that Arnica doesn't last very long. So you have to put it on repeatedly during the day, I think. No, I, I agree. And that's for a lot of natural products. That's on, right. If you're applying them. They don't last as long. It's like a natural bug spray or a natural sunscreen. Yeah, you have to reapply just, sunscreen. People yeah. don't realize that they apply it once when they go out, and they think they're good for like 12 hours. Yeah, you just it's have to keep true. putting it on. Uh, let's see. If you mix powdered sandalwood into a paste, it has a cooling effect when it's rubbed on the joint. Some people like applying warm vinegar to aching joints. There are a lot of different ways like that you Like a compress can... yes, kind of thing? Yes, exactly. Warm you know, compresses of vinegar. I just want to say that... You know, we talk about a lot of natural stuff, but there's one source that I absolutely love, Mountain Rose Herbs. I have no, they don't have affiliate accounts. There's no, like, you sign people up. There's nothing like that. This is a family-owned business. They make things in small batches. 
they source organic, they know where things are coming from, and they, they get a little bit from here, a little bit from there, because they don't want to hurt the environment. Amazing company. I love all the products I've gotten from them. And the oils that I pack in the family bag are mountain rose herb oils. Aha, well, but can, you couldn't have I love them. a better testimonial than that because I know you're batches, very picky. handmade, picky, picky, family-owned. And these people, they are so knowledgeable. And they have a blog, actually, on mountain rose herbs for education. So they have all kinds of articles that you can read about how to make a tincture and how to make a salve. And, you know, they really want to help you. Well, that's great. So anyway, oh, I like them. There's a shameless plug for for that company, Mountain Rose Herbs. All right, there you go. Well, you know what? Now, they deserve it. Now, listen. I want to talk about some other alternative therapies that might be very helpful. Acupuncture. A lot of people really feel that acupuncture has improved their pain, their joint pain, things like that. And so that's something that, if you can find somebody that is skilled in acupuncture, that you might consider trying. If you have issues with arthritis. Massage therapy is very good because, of course, uh, the muscles... What's bad about a massage? (laughs) What is bad about a massage? I'm telling you, a foot massage, a back massage, a hand massage, it's all good. They even have scalp (laughs) massages. They have those little little metal things that look like... Oh, yeah, I've seen those. What do those look like? How can I describe that on the radio? Oh, a spider with a handle. Right. Yes, and you do... (laughs) I remember when those were popular in the stores. I don't know if they're still around, but anyway, any massage is good. There you go. And, And physical therapy may be good to alleviate muscle spasms that people have uh, because of their issues with weakness in the, in the muscle. And the muscles get overworked very easily, especially as you get older, and you wind up getting spasms. A lot of, and injury, you could injure yourself, uh, your muscles, because you are protecting a joint. Absolutely. That is uncomfortable. I'll tell you what. I had physical therapy. Remember when I hurt my neck? Yes, which I think has something to do with our flu. We had like a horrible flu. We're in bed. And then you get up and you're jumping around. After two or three weeks, we were so sick. And I had a pinched nerve, 90% occlusion in my neck. Remember that? And they wanted to do surgery and I refused. Anyway, physical therapy, folks, was the only thing that allowed me to get around and to start moving again. I fully recovered. I don't have any more numbness in my hands. Of course, I had to stop delivering babies because that position is not good on your neck. You're looking in, trying to wait for that baby to come out. (laughs) You're in a bad position if you have a pinched nerve in your neck. Let me just tell you that. I tried. Oh, that was terrible. Anyway, so the heat and the massage and the range of motions that I went through were really, really helpful. So if you find a good physical therapist you might be quite pleased at your outcome. Now, They're not do, trying to shove ju- drugs on you or medicines. Um, you know, it's really what I would consider a natural therapy. Now, another one that I'm not sure if you would consider a natural therapy, but if you can deliver electricity to a joint. I think that's that natural. Helps natural, both muscles Absolutely. and joints. Uh, electricity delivered by a TENS unit. That's TENS, T-E-N-S, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation units. Now, they, we have one of those. Well, we well we have two or three of the official kind, like uh-huh. the medical grade. Right. 
But now they're putting them on pads. I forget right. who does that. Icy Hot uh-huh. might have a brand. Oh, really? Yes. I've put them on you. Remember the, yes. the disposable ones? Yeah, they were good. And you push a button and it gives you yeah, that little helped. stimulation. Yeah, it's amazing. So there are actually over the counter versions that that was pretty strong. You got to quite the zap. Yes, if I, you I felt cranked it. it up. Yeah, I felt it. I I put it up, up high. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's <clears throat> what you should do at home. You do what they say on the thing, but I I put it on high settings. <laughs> just, it goes like, You're just one of those like, people. Just just yeah. fast <laughs> as you can. Let's get it over with. Now, some people suggest magnets, magnet therapy to apply to the injured joints. I'm not sure that I have a lot of hard scientific evidence. You know what? If it works evidence. for somebody, go for it. I mean, what are you going to hurt? As long as you're not eating the magnets. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please do not ingest them. The ma- right. Exactly. So External use only. So there are a lot of really alternative remedies that you can use. But, of course, you should always have... a some ibuprofen you should have uh, everything that you can possibly do to try to decrease discomfort and of course try to maintain good range of motion yes exercise you know what's really great is getting in water aqua therapy which could be part of the physical therapy if you don't have a pool yourself if you go a lot of times they'll have a body of water either you know a small jacuzzi type Thing or yeah. or sometimes a, a pool for physical therapy, or you can also go to a YMCA. Usually they have a pool, right? And they have, um, I forget what it's called, Wa- water size or aqua size. Oh yeah, yeah, what yeah. Is, it's like a jazzer size right. and then water. Yeah. <laughs> but you can have you know do your movements and you're basically exercising without the strain on your ankles and your knees and your hips. And so you're less likely to hurt yourself, but you can help yourself by moving those areas. So water therapy is really good. So yeah, so there are a lot of ways that you can deal with joint pain. and you can Yo- deal Wait, with I want to say one more thing. Yeah. Yoga. Yoga. Okay. Yoga. Tell People us about that. have been, uh, I, I don't want to say cured, but feel so much better after taking some yoga classes. Well, I think that... Whatever slow. will work, right? Nice and slow, it's, right? It's not rapid movement. You're right. not jumping up and down. And your joints become more flexible. Exactly. So a lot of people swear by yoga classes. So it just goes to show that there's, of course, you're, you have your medicine, your conventional treatments for joint pains, and you have a number of natural remedies. So... Give it a try. Do your own research, guys, out there. Don't just take our word for it that this is going to work or that's going to work. You know, do your own research. Reach your own conclusions. That is always important for you to don't just take the word of whoever you happen to see on TV or or listen listen to on the radio like us. Or the miracle pills that they have on television that cure everything. (laughs) Oh, right. Grow your hair. Grow other things. And more. <laughs> so silly. Cure everything. If you hear something cures everything, run. Nothing cures everything. You know, some things are difficult to really get a handle on. And I have one victim of a condition called anosmia <clears throat> that contacted us through Jack Spierko's survival podcast. And I'm going to go ahead and 
put up my answer to Sean regarding his inability to be able to smell. And we're going to listen to that right now. Hi, Joe Alton, MD here, also known as Dr. Bones of the top survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net. Also, Blog Talk Radio's Survival Medicine Hour and co-author of the award-winning third edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Medical Help is Not on the Way. This week's question for the expert counsel is from Sean, who writes, Question for Doc Bones. What causes and how much is there to worry about if you're losing your sense of smell? The last few years, I've noticed my sense of smell collapsing, a fraction of what it should be. I did a Google search, and the first result said, it means you are shortly going to die. Wow, I am not embellishing it. It was that direct. Of course, I don't take such a Google result totally serious, but is there a cause to this? And should I be concerned? Some background, I have awful hay fever, according to my allergist at the time. I'm in the top 0.5% of the population in terms of reactivity, meaning a lifetime, I'm age 48, of stuffed noses, sneezing, and popping antihistamines could have taken its toll. I also have neurofibromatosis that, while not a handicap, has messed with my body in various ways. Thanks in advance, Sean in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. P.S., Please tell Nurse Amy I think she missed her calling as she has one of the most pleasant and uplifting radio personalities I have ever heard. Why, thank you very much. Oh, now she comes on. (laughs) I'm just sitting quiet as a mouse, darling. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, what you're talking about is referred to as an anosmia, the loss of the sense of smell. You might consider a sense of smell not to be that important, but without it, it's hard to detect things like gas leaks, a fire, or a spoiled food, all things that you might want to be able to detect, right? Anosmia might be temporary, but it might be permanent and could be, interestingly enough, in only one nostril or even both. This is something actually that very few doctors test. It can be caused by anything from A to Z, from allergies to a zinc deficiency. It can also be caused by inflammation, blockage of nasal passages, infections like meningitis or syphilis, nasal polyps, or even a brain tumor. Overuse of certain nasal sprays are another reason that your sense of smell might be impaired. Anosmia is different from things like hyposmia, which is a decreased sense of smell, which is what you might actually have, or hyperosmia, a very sensitive sense of smell, like what you might experience when you're pregnant. Not you personally, Sean. Then there's... Oh, now she's laughing. That was funny, though. (laughs) Then there's phantosmia, smelling something that isn't there, like burnt toast. Of course, in normal times, it's important to be checked out to rule out any disease process, and that's what you should do, Sean. Although things like brain cancer can exist, it is very rare without a lot of other symptoms going on there. Though anosmia caused by brain damage has no cure, inflammatory changes from allergies may be treated with oral steroids like prednisone, followed by a long-term steroid nasal spray. It's important to know, however, that the treatment is a temporary fix and may have to be repeated on and off. Drainage of the nasal mucosa with a neti pot might be helpful in some cases. You might give that a shot. Although very early in development, there are things that are coming up. Gene therapy... G-E-N-E, gene therapy, has restored a sense of smell in mice that were born with anosmia when caused by a condition which may also occur in humans called ciliopathy, a genetic condition which affects the little projections we have called cilia in our bodies that normally enables us to detect airborne chemicals. 
As for neurofibromatosis, a condition caused genetically where tumors form in nervous tissue, you know what? I would think that tiny masses might have damaged your olfactory nerve, the nerve that is associated with the sense of smell. I'm not sure myself how this is confirmed, but I'll tell you, it's something to bring up to your doctor. I really believe that. This is Joe Alton, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health and good times are bad. And thanks for checking out our Survival Medicine Hour podcast, our Twitter at Prepper Show, and our YouTube channel at Dr. Bones Nurse Amy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Oh, hey, <laughs> do your family a big favor by getting more medically prepared with kits and supplies from this young lady's entire line at store.doomandbloom.net. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the Survival Medicine Hour. With Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And we will be back next week with all sorts of other interesting stuff. Do we have a second for me to make an announcement? Yes, make yes, an announcement. Yes, we're going to be in Texas at the Self-Reliance Expo in Mesquite, Texas, actually, to be specific, south of Dallas. We're going to be teaching a suture class on Friday that is... March 23rd, and you will be speaking on March 24th, Saturday. So it's a Friday-Saturday show. Come out and see us. By the way, for the Stop the Bleed initiative, they're having a special day on March 31st, and we're trying to put together a webinar for people that we're going to air on live on that day. So tune in. Keep tuning in for more information on this as it develops. See you soon. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.